0: From the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 106.1 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 106.1 ESPN.
1: Or Matt Josephs.
2: Good afternoon, everybody. Sports Huddle here, Matt Josephs. Your three to four hosts, just in case you uh, tune in at this time. As you drive home from a wet day, it's been absolutely miserable. Let me tell you, this is the kind of weather you want to take a nap in. Now, I'm hoping you don't do it during this hour, but I won't fault you if you do. Um, but it's been raining for a lot. Apparently, there's some flooded streets, so please be careful on your way home uh, here in the capital city. But we're going to try and give you some entertainment over the next hour. Uh, coming up, we'll update you on the cuts in the NFL. Cutdown day, 4 o'clock tomorrow. Commanders have made a few cuts. Spoiler alert, only like two names you may have heard of, unless you're a diehard fan, in which case you've probably heard of a lot of these. So... Um, We'll update you on that as well as the cut that is going to affect the commanders. You just heard it in the top of the hour. Their week one opponent decided they're just not going to have a quarterback. They were just going to go with, uh, you know, the Wildcat all game. We're just gonna put. I don't even. I don't even know who's the running. Oh, James Conner. That's right. We're gonna put James Conner in the shotgun, and the Wildcat every play. See if you uh, fall for that. Remember when the Wildcat was like this newfangled thing, and the Dolphins did it with Ronnie Brown, and they're like, "Man, this is gonna be awesome," and then all of a sudden, everybody kind of just let it disappear because it was just a running back taking the snap. And it
1: lasted no- as long as Jeremy Lin did. Right.
2: And none of them ever threw the ball. Probably because we knew what most of them throwing the ball would. Entail, but the Wildcat was this great thing when they when they when the Dolphins brought. It, I think it was against the Patriots, and then all of a sudden for like a year or two, everybody's like, yeah, we're gonna do the Wildcat. Wildcat, and then it's like now you see it like once every once in a while. I think I saw it in college football on Saturday, but it's 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 a fad that ra- that really disappeared into uh, into uh, wherever into oblivion, or as um, Mike Tyson would say, Bolivia. Um, right? He was the one who said that. I believe. I, so. I, re- I believe it was him. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we'll update you. And, and you heard it. Cole McCoy is no longer the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. He is free. So, it's now down to Clayton Toon and uh, Greg Dobbs. Not Greg Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. Greg Dobbs was a pinch hitter in Major League Baseball. Um, yeah. I, I, the Commanders just went to a seven-point favorite in that game. By the way, if you do a survivor pool, take the Commanders because you're never going to use them the rest of the season. You're never, ever, ever going to use them the rest of the season. So, therefore, uh, take the Commanders. Even if they're not – even if they lose, it's still the right strategy because you're never going to lose – use Washington again, but they're not going to lose – I mean, Jonathan Gannon came out and said he's not naming a starting quarterback. They traded an offensive lineman uh, who I think was pretty useful. Um, they trade they got rid of a punter who was pretty good. Um, so we'll keep you posted on some cuts. There's Wayne Talapapa was let go by Seattle former former Wahoo. Uh, Rashawn Henry was let go by um, the team he was on. He was also on Seattle. He technically gets the UVA tag, but he was a Texas Tech wide receiver. He played one year at UVA. So, like, technically he is a Wahoo, but, like, technically he really wasn't. Or at least I didn't. That's why, like, Russell Wilson, I consider an NC State guy. Like, I, he played one year at Wisconsin. Like, that's it. So, I consider him an NC State guy as opposed I also to.
1: Russell would disagree. He hates his NC State run.
2: Well, I don't know if he hates it, but I just, he played there three of his four years. That's all. Yeah, it's it's nice, and Wisconsin will use that in their media guy. Yeah, Russell Wilson. But I mean, he played there one year. That's all. Uh, so we'll keep you posted on that. And then uh, I put up a poll question. We'll get get into this uh, around the the five thirty segment. Uh, poll question for today at mid major Matt at ESPN Richmond. If you want to vote in the poll, which second year head coach has to show you a little more of the season? Who needs to prove it to you? In his second season as head coach, Tony Elliott or Brent Pry. Think about it a little bit. We'll marinate on that and get back to it at 5:30. Because uh, coming up next segment, we'll talk to John Kime. He's at 5:15. Get his thoughts on the cuts so far. Will there be any tough cuts? What are the the fringe positions that he's kind of looking at in, in terms of um, in terms of like where the toughest decisions may be? And I'll ask him. Like we make jokes of the teams that go undefeated in the preseason. But like does he think it's it's going to help at all this team that they went undefeated in the preseason? I think it's not. I legitimately think it's not, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. So we'll ask him cuz he's around this team. I I still maintain it was very very stupid to play Terry McLaren and the starters as much as they did. I do. And I'm not just saying that because well, actually I am saying it because Terry McLaurin got hurt, and because I'm one of the largest fans of Terry McLaurin there is. Um I understand he's probably only out of game, but like that's pretty important. A, a toe injury, a foot injury could be lingering, who knows? But like you played him a whole quarter. Sam Howell looked good. Maybe you play him another drive, but like the whole first half, it just I wouldn't have done it. I just would not have done it. By the way, the teams that went undefeated in the preseason last year. The Jets went undefeated in the preseason last year. What'd that, what would that do for the Jets last year? The Ravens, the Steelers, the Texans. The Texans went undefeated in the preseason last year. What did that do for the Texans?
1: Nine wins,
2: man. The Raiders went undefeated last year in the preseason. What did that do for the Raiders? Nine wins. I'm just saying. The Bears went undefeated. This literally proves my point. Outside of the Ravens and the Steelers, and the Steelers didn't do anything with it, the Jets, Ravens, Steelers, Texans, Raiders, Bears, and that's it. All went undefeated and probably won a combined like 15 games outside of the Ravens.
1: Did they have Eric Bieniemy?
2: The Chiefs went had Eric Bieniemy. They went 2 and 1. I'm just saying. The Eagles went 1 and 2. The Eagles have been terrible in preseason games for years. They made the Super Bowl last year. I'm just saying. But I'll ask him. I'll ask John Kime. He's around these guys more than I am. So, um Maybe it did something for it. And, you know, the energy that's surrounding this program now that the Daniel Snyder cloud is gone is is big. But to me, like, okay, it's great they won the third game. Nobody's really trying in the third game. They didn't play very many starters. And then you kind of look at the, you know, the second game. Obviously, they put a lot of emphasis into it. We never get a preseason guarantee from anybody, mostly because it's kind of foolish, but whatever. And so, Yeah. We'll see what happens. So that's the Commanders. Uh, There is Braves baseball in our airwaves tonight. Braves and Rockies in Colorado. The Braves team total for runs is seven and a half. Uh, The one worry would be the Sunday night travel. Granted, it is San Francisco to Colorado, but still, they were up late last night playing a game. And then that first game, usually in Colorado, there's a little bit of a slow start. But it is Atlanta. They have an all-time offense. A little breaking news. The ACC has postponed their meeting tonight following the unfortunate incident in Chapel Hill. Uh, There was an on-campus shooting in Chapel Hill, so they have postponed their meeting for tonight. Uh, But they were scheduled to discuss and potentially vote on Stanford, Cal, and SMU, which I just I I don't get it. But that's kind of the same reaction I've had to everything in realignment. Clemson, Florida State are still going to say no. They're not going to change. There's not something that all of a sudden is going to be like, well, you know, considering Clemson and Florida State are more closer to leaving the conference, so why would they want to take around the same amount of money and add three more teams and stress their budgets when it comes to traveling out to Cal and Stanford and SMU? So, like, they're not going to change. It all comes down to North Carolina, and it all comes down to NC State, who only will do what North Carolina says they should do. So, Yeah but that meeting has been postponed tonight uh, due to the unfortunate incident at uh, Chapel Hill, which means it probably will happen tomorrow, and we'll see what happens. So we have to delay all the reaction that we were going to have for one more day. I just don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think the yes the no's are going to change to yes's. I just don't think that's going to happen. They're closer to leaving than staying, and bringing those teams in probably not going to help them say, Let's stay here. It's going to be probably closer to pushing them out and saying, yeah, let's go. We're going to leave. We're going to absolutely be done. But you know what? They never actually ask me. They never ask anybody because they don't really care because they just, they all have this logic, these conferences. Which I don't understand. But remember... If you're going to cry about the Pac-12, and we'll take our break after this. If you're going to try cry about the Pac-12 and its potential demise, just remember, one of its largest properties, USC football, played its opener with the Heisman Trophy winner on a channel that no one could see on the East Coast. Unless they want to go buy it, which no one's going to go buy it because the Pac-12 has done a terrible job of advertising. No one could see USC football as they took on San Jose State, and the Heisman Trophy winner went unwatched by a large swath of America. That's why the Pac-12 disappearing doesn't make me want to cry or anything like that. Not that any of this stuff's making me want to cry. Three two seven zero that is the phone number, that is the text line. 804 is the area code. Let's take a timeout. John Kime is next, 1061 ESPN. This Saturday,
0: the Spiders return home when you are opens their 2023 season at Robin Stadium versus Morgan State at 6 p.m. Don't miss any of the action on your home for spider athletics all season. 1061 ESPN Richmond. At the Home Depot.
2: Welcome back. 1061 ESPN, Matt Joseph's here. Uh, Cut down day by tomorrow, 4 o'clock, as the teams have to get down to 53 players. They have to do it all now one foul swoop as opposed to before. They could do it over a three uh, span where they cut down a bunch of guys. Uh, So teams are making their cuts and uh, getting ready for week one of the NFL season. Joining us now, you can hear the John Keim report, Sundays at 10 a.m. here on one oh six one ESPN. John Keim. John, what's going on? Hey, how are you? Doing well, John. First, I want to confirm you will not be quarterbacking for Arizona Week One, right?
3: <laughs> I don't know. They, I, you know, they haven't. My phone is still; it hasn't run yet, so I'm guessing not. But who knows? I mean that that's going to be. Listen, if they don't win that game now, it's you know, you're done. <laughs> so that's 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 a layup W now. It should be.
2: I mean, what do you think of what Arizona's trying to do? They're openly tanking, and do you think Washington should maybe— Well, yeah, but they also have <laughs> Kyler Murray on a very odd contract coming up that they're well, going to be attached to.
4: Well,
3: maybe. This is a different staff, too, and I'd have to see the details of the contract, um, but, you know, I, don't, I can't imagine that this group— if I, even, it, even if he has that contract, I'm still taking Caleb Williams, period if you or if you think that's the guy I'm taking him. I don't care what his contract is. You can you know, it, yes, it's bad, but like I want that quarterback. That's this guy this staff did not draft him. So, I don't I don't think it'd preclude him. And I don't I'd have to see when they can get out of it. Usually it's a few years. Um so we'll see.
2: If you're Washington, would you call Arizona for anybody? Would you call for Buda no. Baker?
3: Oh, for Buda Baker. Um I don't I don't know. I I mean they kind of have a decent secondary so i don't know like yes he would be helpful but you have a guy that does a lot of stuff like in camp curl right so i don't you know i don't know what i give up if you're calling on other teams i'm calling on linemen that's where you need help so you know or or if they have another linebacker somewhere something like that but the secondary is should be pretty good
2: so they've made their first round of releases slash cuts right now, and it's pretty much guys that we kind of thought would make it. Were there any surprises so far uh, of the releases?
3: No. The only surprise was Braden Daniels, their rookie tackle, drafted in the fourth round, being placed on injury reserve. He He's a guy that they knew would take time to develop. Athletic, so that's why they took him in the fourth round, and you could debate whether that was a good pick or not. I mean, you know... Time will tell. But um, him being on the roster, to be honest, would have, would have been an issue because I don't think he would have been ready to play. So he would have been your fourth tackle. If, you're, if, he, if, one, if something happens to one of your top tackles, now he's your top backup, and I don't think that's the position they wanted to be in. But you can't just fake injuries anymore, not the way you used to. He tore his rotator cuff, so it's a legit injury. Um, But this allows them to keep him around, let him develop away from, you know, the games, and then get him into camp next year. Um, And meanwhile, keeping maybe a veteran tackle in Trent Scott, who would warrant more of a roster spot than than Daniels, or or would have more of an ability to go in a game and help them than Daniels would have.
2: Any of these guys today practice squad material or no?
3: Typically, if you're cutting them now probably not. So you like the one guy a lot of people like is Jared Patterson. Good story, tough kid, everything. But he's not better than the guys that were ahead of him. And that's why he was cut today. Now, could he come find his way back? Sure, but they also they still have guys like Derek Gore and Jonathan Williams. Those guys are ahead of them, and I think they'd like to keep one of those two guys around if possible. So, you know, I don't see I don't see those guys making the active roster, but I think they'd be more likely for a practice squad. But and the reason that's why, like a lot of the guys um, who will be on the practice squad will be released tomorrow because it gives teams uh, uh, one fewer day to bring them back. That's typically how it goes, but not always. So, Patterson, I would say you'd always have a chance because you never know. Like, what if they? Cut Williams and Gore, and both get picked up. Well, then you bring Patterson back, or you know. But, but yeah, that yeah. So,
2: where do you think the toughest group is going to be for them to make decisions?
3: Defensive line and receiver, and you know, and I think defensive line. It's all about do you keep ten or eleven? If you keep eleven, then it's easy. The, um, the eleven are there. Uh, the the question is if you only want to keep ten and keep five linebackers then who's who's the odd man out? Because they drafted two guys, K.J. Henry in the fifth round, and Andrew Jones in the seventh. Jones has flashed as a pass rusher. Henry shows, you know, some power. He's more of a bull rusher. Jones flashes more, is a little bit flashier. Then it's James Smith-Williams or Casey Tuhill. And Tuhill got a lot of, you know, he was typically ahead in the rotation of Smith Williams, they're different players. One is more twitchy or more athletic, and that would be two-hill than, than James Smith-Williams, but Smith-Williams, they start working him inside, so I think he's got a couple roles he could fill inside like on pass-downs. So I think they'll I think they keep 11. That's not a guarantee, and Dejon Harris could be your fifth linebacker, but I think you could also probably get him on the practice squad. Um, that's So that's one area to watch. Do they keep 10 or 11 defensive line? Then receiver... You know, you have the, Kaz Allen, I think, would have made it, and I don't know if he won't now, but going into that game, I think he was, I was told, trending in the right direction. Then he has a bad game. Muff punt, two drops. It's really hard to then go trust him to be ready for, if you're fielding the punt, he has never fielded punch before now. So if you put him back there against Arizona, let's say it's inside the 10, just like the other night, you muff it and now this time you lose it. Well, that's you know, he's it's it's hard. You have to be able to trust a guy to return the ball. That's where, I think, some of that that's where the damage was with him the other night. Um, so then, who returns it? Does Dax Mill return it? He's got experience. Byron Pringle's a guy that they've talked about. He hasn't returned punts in the NFL. Has done it in college. So, do you where, where do you go there? Dax Mill. We've seen what he can do. He's not dynamic after after the catch or after he gets the field a punt, but he does catch it. And then Mitchell Tinsley is the other guy that a lot of people talk about because he had a couple of nice games in the preseason. The hard part is where does he you know, he's not a fast receiver. He's not like this future standout. He's a guy that has some size, he's six one, good hands, catches well in traffic, but he's not he's a four six forty guy. So when you put him like you right now we watched him against backups and guys who are gonna get cut. And he did a nice job. That's all he can do, right? You know, That's what he has to do to get noticed. So he's put himself in a position where maybe if they kept seven, he might be one of them. But I think you know the question is, do they feel they can get him on a practice squad? And every year, man, we, every year we hear about guys who have a good summer and fans are like, oh, they're going to lose this guy. Every team's got a guy like this. that they say, you know, you can't explode and you might lose him. But everybody's dealing with guys like this. So typically they don't lose guys. When they put him out there, they just they just haven't. Um, but he's one that you would watch. Like, you know he did a nice job. I've heard his name a lot. I don't know where he'd help on special teams, as opposed to Milne as a returner. Pringle I think can help you a little bit there, um, and Allen could be it would be as a returner only. So that's the question for him.
2: I assume tight end. It's an easy three, right? There's nobody for. There's not yeah. a fourth guy. Yeah.
3: The, no. The only thing that would be there is if um, Alex Armagh, the fullback slash tight end, would be considered... You could have him as a fourth back or as a fourth tight end. I also think you can cut him to save someone else and then make another move later to bring Armagh back and then put whoever you saved on the practice squad next week when rosters are more set. And that's be, that's what also could happen. So... The initial 53 is going to be fluid. So you could have, and you remember in the past, it would be you'd have this cut down day and then, um, you know, then you're getting ready for a game. So now you have a week and a half to get ready for a game. So that also leads to more time for roster moves. So it's really the Wednesday before the game when the roster is set for the opener, basically. And so like if you're on the roster on next week from Wednesday, you're in good shape. So that's where a guy, but that's where Arma could be your fourth tight end, fourth running back, because he's kind of a hybrid. So that, that would go, but otherwise, yes, it'd be Logan Thomas, um, uh, Cole Turner and then John Bates.
2: Talking with John Kime. you can hear the John Kime report Sundays, 10 a.m. here on one oh six one ESPN. Follow him on Twitter at John underscore Kime. All right, let's go on the field. Obviously, in the grand scheme of things, going undefeated doesn't mean anything. It doesn't guarantee anything. But what do you think having that happen means to the team? Is there an extra air about it? Like, is it, What do you think it meant that they did not lose during the preseason?
3: Um, the last time they went undefeated in the preseason, they went 3-13. and So... You know, you just—I don't. I, but having said that, it, it's a different situation. I get it, and I think what they're hoping is that it's um, indicative of some signs of growth. I don't put a lot of stock in you know, because like if they had gone 0 and 3, but their starters look really good, well, I'd rather see that because you know your starters may back us, and you—and you, and if your backups, if your third and fourth stringers blow a lead, okay, you know those guys aren't going to be around anyway. But if your starters are doing well, that's what you want to see. So, you know, I, I, I don't – I mean, I know like Ron Rivera says, winning begets winning, but, you know, preseason. Like I don't – I think it's more what did you see that matters more. Like if they had, if they had gone 3-0, and but Sam Howell looked really bad, then it doesn't matter. But that wasn't the case. You know, I'd rather see Sam Howell look sharp or whatever, and then you don't care about the record. So I think they're trying to turn it into something, but it's not like the players are sitting there being all wild by it. They understand.
2: Obviously, Hal had his ups and downs. How do you kind of overall grade him for the preseason, knowing that there weren't a lot of snaps against the first-team guys?
4: Yeah, I think
3: with him, it's really about growth. And I think he has grown. And I think one thing that you see from this summer and even the preseason games, and this is not meant to be a backhanded compliment, but... He's not going to be bad. Okay. It's a question is, at what point can he, how good can he be? And at what point does he get to that level? Can he get there this year? Can he, you know, can he, how effective can he be this year for them? That's what I don't know because there's so many new parts of that offense on the offensive line, the coordinator, et cetera, that's all tied in and that's all going to help the enemy fail or succeed. So, but I do think what I like, even, for example, even the Ravens game they did not face the starters starting defense. On the one two-minute drive into the end of half, they had a lot of third stringers in. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. However, what I liked from him was the decision. So he's presented with a situation, a scenario, or a scene. He still has to execute it. And, you know, whether you're facing starters or backups, and it's a tight window throw, you still got to make the throw, and he did. He has, still has to make the, the right decision, and he did. And you have to show you can move the pocket, and he did. So, you know, I think if Baltimore played their starting def- defensive line, it's going to impact the offensive line more. You know what I mean? I was going to put more pressure on them, but you can have a clean pocket against starters or backups. Still got to, you still have to execute, and he did. So there's, So while it wasn't against starters, it was a nice job by him, and also I think what they were encouraged by wasn't just the game; it's what he showed during practices against them, as well, and that's what he showed against their starters. So, you know, I think it's I think he showed signs of growth, and I think he has some good traits. And I, I you know, I again, I don't know how good he'll be because I think it's you just don't know, and we've seen guys come through here before. But I'll be I think going into the season, I feel better about the quarterback situation than I have probably since Alex Smith's first year here, you know, I think there's more reason for belief that this kid can at least get to a certain level.
2: Let's wrap up here. Talking with John Kime of uh, ESPN. The John Kime Report is on Sundays at uh, 10 a.m. here on one oh six one ESPN. How do you think the running back uh, breakdown is going to be? Is Brian Robinson going to be just the, the three downs guy and Antonio Gibson will be in on third down? Or do you think we're going to see a lot of both of them?
3: I think we'll see sometimes we'll see you'll see, we'll see both of them sometimes on the same t- on the field together. But Brian Robinson has looked good this summer. catches the ball well, so he can. He only caught I think it was nine passes last year. I would expect that to increase. He does a nice job in that. Um, you know, I think he's still working as a pass protector, which is key. But um, I think will I think it gives him the ability to be on the field more. Gibson will be the third down back, and he can help you. As a runner, as well, of course, but I also think they'll try and get Chris Rodriguez some touches. And I think if he's going to get some touches, it would be more like, let's say, you know, if he comes, if Robinson needs a breather, does Rodriguez come in for that series and, and give some stays as third down back, or does he, you know? And so that's what I. And I don't know that for sure. I do know how much they like Rodriguez. I do know they feel like he catches the ball well, and he does. So I think they'd want to get him some touches. Um, so I, that will affect Antonio. But they, but Antonio does have a role. I mean, he will be the third down back, and they definitely want to get him the ball in space because he's, he's, he's got good size and he's got speed. So, you know, I, I just I don't know. It's really hard to know how it's going to unfold because we just don't know. But I know that Robinson's look good, and I know that he can help in the pass game as well.
2: The John Kime Report, Sundays at 10 a.m. here on 1061 ESPN. Follow him on Twitter at John underscore Kime. John, we always appreciate the time. Thanks so much.
3: My pleasure. Thanks.
2: All right. Uh, that is John Kime of ESPN. Um, if I was the commanders, I'm probably, I might even, I might keep seven wide receivers. I might. But then again, as, as we talked about, you know, every team's got that intriguing wide receiver who's probably good enough to play, but not good enough to make the roster but yeah the easiest one's tight end it's one of the best tight end rooms in the in the league Logan Thomas John Bates Cole Turner you there's very few places where you can go three deep on a tight end so the commanders might have the best tight end room in the league and then of course yes we're probably looking at four running backs if they you know if they count Arma five but Jonathan Williams I'm guessing is going to make the roster they, you, you know, there's a lot of years where the cuts come easy for the commanders. It's like, oh, this is, you know, it's very simple. And there's like one or two decisions they have to make. That's not necessarily the case this, this year. There are some guys that might get cut who are pretty good. And that's a nice step in the direction, too. But see, John wasn't very convinced about them going undefeated meaning anything. Because he's right. If if they go 3-0, if they go 0-3 oh and, and Sam Howell looks like the greatest quarterback in the NFL, that's what matters.
1: To be clear, I like what I'm seeing because of the offensive plays they're calling, not because they went undefeated.
2: Oh, I understand. And yes, there's a competent offensive coordinator. So, yeah, that's great. I um I just the record doesn't mean anything.
1: Also, John also liked uh, Rodriguez, who I think is going to also get a lot of play time.
2: Yeah, but I don't know how much. If I'm them, I I I don't want to give him a lot of meaningful time when you've got two a you know number ones ahead of him. Like, if Chris Rodriguez fumbles in a crucial spot when you could have given the ball to Gibson or you could have given the ball to Brian Robinson, that's not good. So, like, I I get it. I want to give him the ball, but, like, I don't know. I want Gibson and Robinson to have the ball.
1: I hear you. If this team becomes more of a passing team and Hal does really good more for the passing and all that other stuff, he will play more, Rodriguez.
2: Oh, yeah. Which will be a frustrating thing for fantasy football owners because I'm very interested in Antonio Gibson. But if he's going to lose catches to Chris, Rod- Chris Rodriguez, that's that's going to be frustrating. You don't want to draft that. 3270888, uh, that is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. It was very weird. We took a power hit here, but yet no- the TV went off, and I think the air conditioning's off. But everything else is on, unless I'm talking to nobody, which is, which is fine anyway. I don't think I am. I think this is actually going out somewhere. Yeah, it's going out. I checked. So there you go. But we took some sort of weird power hit because now the TV's not working, which was frustrating. Uh, let's take a timeout. Coming up, uh, we'll get a little bit into uh, the Cowboys getting Trey Lance. Not a terrible move, but I think it's going to affect Dak. We'll get into that a little bit as well. Some college football stuff taking up to 6 o'clock. Week 1 of college football officially upon us. You're listening to one ESPN.
0: As the Braves roll toward the 2023 postseason, there is one goal in mind a World Series title. They still have plenty of obstacles to clear before that, and you can hear all the action here on your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves in the capital city. 1061 ESPN, Richmond. <laughs>
2: Welcome back. 1061 ESPN, Matt Joseph's here doing uh, the Sports Huddle, filling in, usually the 3 to 4 host, uh, doing the, the 5 o'clock hour for Bob, who's got some uh, other commitments that he had to take care of. He'll be back tomorrow from 4 until 6. seven zero eight is the phone number, that is the text line. 804 is the area code if you want to comment on anything we've brought up so far on the show today. We'll get to the Cowboys stuff in just a moment, but uh, Roger, you're on the show. How's it going, Roger.
4: Uh, going well, going well. Very excited about this up- upcoming football season. Uh, I think preseason football was very encouraging seeing that we've gone 3-0. I think it's good for the uh, psyche of the team. Um, it's it, it just good to go with the winning mentality instead of starting off the season with a losing mentality.
2: Uh, how many wins do you have for them, Roger?
4: Oh, just like I told Jamie King.
2: Ten wins. Ten wins. Wow. So that's definitely, is that the division champs or is that second place?
4: Oh, second place.
2: Okay. Do you have them winning a playoff
4: game? Oh, definitely.
2: Definitely. Okay. Have you had this optimism before or is this just for this year?
4: No, look. I've been having this optimism every season. I've been a diehard fan since 1971, so um, I'm I'm not a loser. So you go in there with the right attitude, and when you start losing in the middle of the game, you turn the channel to a
2: Western. All right, well, good luck to the Commanders. Thanks for calling, Roger. Uh, Thank you. Uh, 3270888, that is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. So I was actually just looking up, because he said die hard and we say we say die hard fan a lot. He's a hog. No, 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 I was looking up I was looking up where the fir- the phrase die hard came from. Because obviously I don't think it's from um it's not from the non Christmas movie. No, it's not the non Christmas movie that is known as Die Hard. Um but see, like, okay, so like, here's several places that there's definitions, but I don't know if any of these are actually legit or anything like that. Because this says, Wikipedia, we know that Wikipedia is never wrong. Diehard is a phrase coined by Lieutenant Colonel William Inglis of the 57th West Middlesex Regiment of Foot during the Battle of Albuera.
1: I'm getting the same result.
2: That's what this says. And then there's some other ones uh, that apparently he encouraged his men's by saying, die hard 57th, die hard. I just don't know how we brought it from that to, to sports. So if somebody knows, they could tell me. But uh, look, let me tell you, uh, Roger may not have heard my show very much, but like the last couple of years, I've had optimistic win totals for the commanders and they haven't lived up to that. So I, I could see the optimism. I here's my thing. So we kind of did this a little bit before, a couple weeks ago. The road to going 10 wins or above for the commanders is Sam Howell's legit. The defense is legit. Terry McLaurin's legit. And they, they run the ball well enough to keep the ball away from other teams. That's how they do it. They they get all this momentum. And then the last four games of the season, they just keep winning. Here's the thing that the late bye week does, other than prevent them from firing Ron Rivera earlier in the year, potentially, if things start slow. 13 straight weeks is a lot of weeks for Sam Howell. Remember, in Chapel Hill, the most they would play is 13. Well, technically, I guess 14 if they would play in the ACC championship game and then in a bowl game. 14 would be the most. He's going to play 13 straight NFL games without a rest. So how is he going to handle that? How is the team going to handle that? How are the injury situations going to be? Are they going to limp to the finish when they get to, like, weeks 12 and 13? Um, You know, there's some short weeks in there. There's two Thursday games in there.
1: Hey, the kid's either legit or he's not.
2: Well, I'm just saying, like, you know, late bye weeks aren't good for anybody, veteran or rookie. But, But, I mean... It's just a long way away. And then you come out of the bye week, you know, playing two road games against two teams that are in different parts of their life. You know, the Rams, I I, I can't imagine the Rams are going to be going for the playoffs. The Jets will, the the 49ers will, and the Cowboys may have things, uh, you know, uh, clinched. So they may not care about that week 18 game, but there is a path to making it to 10 wins. The unfortunate thing is there's also a path to make it five wins. Hal stinks. Brissette can't save them. Rivera's coaching like the lame duck he is, unfortunately. And Eric Bieniemy's too hard on the guys when the offense is failing for several weeks, and the, and the the guys can't handle it, and just everything collapses inward. I don't know which way is more likely of the two of them, but you can certainly see you can make this case for almost anybody outside of Arizona. Like Arizona is going to be a bad team. There's not a scenario where all of a sudden they're winning eight games. Three two seven zero eight eight eight. That is the phone number. That is the text line. Eight zero four is the area code. We're not even going to talk about the week one. Like let's kind of. I'm already kind of ready to we- focus on week two at Denver. Russell Wilson going up against uh, his his. I don't even know if he was a Commanders fan. Well, he was probably a Redskins fan, but I don't know. But in any case, he might be going up against his favorite team when he was a child. In week two, that's the game we should start focusing on. Like, I don't even care. The week of Sunday, September 10th, like, the Cardinals don't even exist. Like, they don't care to exist, so therefore we should just treat them like they do not exist. For those who are just joining the show, they cut Colt McCoy, and now their starting quarterback is either uh, Dobbs, who's been there for a week, and Clayton Toon, who is a rookie fifth-rounder, who who was good at Houston, but I don't know. So, Yeah. Jonathan Gannon said today he is declining to name a starting quarterback. could mean he's still going to get one. It could mean that he doesn't know. it could also mean he's regretting his decision. Where do you think Colt McCoy's going? uh is there a broadcast booth available? I don't know. I Dave like I, I mean he's he is what he is. I I let me see. I'm trying to see how old he is because oh, I, I I perceive him as old. But he could be football old and not... Oh, no, he's old, old. 36. I'm guessing he's going to the broadcast booth. Or he's going to mow the lawn.
1: That Niners quarterback situation looks interesting.
2: They're not going to add another guy, I don't think.
1: With the injuries and
2: stuff. Yeah, well, maybe. But, like, the Niners could call Carson Wentz if they want to.
1: Or Tom Brady. <sighs>
2: Tom Brady may play. There will be a story this coming season, but there would have to be a starting job. He's not going anywhere to be a backup. The, the irony is in Philadelphia, they've, they've been making the joke of if Jalen Hurts got hurt for a long period, would they call Tom Brady? Wow. And I think they would. I, I, I think you would, potentially. I think Tom Brady would come back for a starting job with a playoff team. Sure. I think he would not come back for a starting job with the Cardinals. Like I think there's a retired and then there's retired retired. Retired is give me a call, Philly. Give me a call, Kansas City. Give me a call. Insert playoff team here. Retired, retired is, hey, this is Arizona. Tom, you want to – click. That's what he I think that's where we are now.
1: You think Tom could play in Philly's offense? I'm
2: I mean, I don't I don't I don't want him to, but I, I think I think I think if you sign Tom Brady, you're willing to change things to make Tom Brady fit. That's all. But I I don't – I think Tom Brady would fit in any offense. Because, you know, there's these stories. He's like – I think – what was it? He had like a Snapchat or something. Like he was showing his body. He's like, you know, I'm kind of in good shape to go play football or something like that. So we'll see. He's definitely going to come up at some point during this season. He's going to come up. There will be a starting job. Minnesota has Kirk Cousins go down. Tom Brady throwing to Justin Jefferson, I think, would be something he would be very interested in doing. We'll see. I still haven't watched the quarterback thing yet. A, because I don't care about Kirk Cousins. B, I don't want to know how much of a loser Marcus Mariota is because he's my quarterback, and I already have heard the things about how he quit on Atlanta last year. And C... Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl, and I don't want to watch that part. So I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I don't, I don't think like so. 327 0888. Uh, that is the phone number. That is the text line for the show. Uh, if you want to get involved, uh, if you're just joining us, also, the ACC meeting that was supposed to happen tonight is postponed due to the unfortunate incident in uh, Chapel Hill on campus at North Carolina. Uh, So they're going to move that to, I'm guessing, tomorrow, maybe somebody else, whatever it is. Um, But there was an unfortunate incident on campus at Chapel Hill, so um, they decided to postpone it. And I think, you know, obviously it makes sense, but I also think because North Carolina is dealing with things, and North Carolina is one of the central figures in terms of this actually happening. So you want a president who's of sound mind, and I would rather my my campus president dealing with an active shooter incident, which is no longer active, than trivial matters of what conference realignment's going to happen. So maybe it doesn't even happen tomorrow. Maybe it happens Wednesday. Who knows? But it's going to happen soon, and I still think it's going to be no's, but I'm just thinking this. You bring those three schools in there, You're going to have Florida State and Clemson having every lawyer they possibly could find combing over every word of that grant of rights to get out. Everybody thinks that if those schools come in, it'll be happy-go-lucky time. I think if those schools come in, we're closer to those two schools, to Florida State and Clemson leaving. And if Florida State and Clemson leave... North Carolina may leave. And if North Carolina leaves, NC State believes everything North Carolina does is what they will do. Virginia has already been, you know, mentioned as a target for other conferences. And then does Virginia Tech get attached there? And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, we brought Stanford and SMU and Callan. But you lost all the teams worth watching. And now you're the next Pac twelve that becomes the Pac Zero. So, I think, I'm telling you, it may be, there may be some brief, like, hey, you know, like Stuart Mandel did an article that said, oh, the ACC should add these teams. It's all great. And it's like, no, it's not. It's not. Because guess what? Florida State and Clemson are going to leave. They're going to find a way. This is not the way to make those schools happy. The number one priority for the ACC is to make the two flagship schools happy. Well, first of all, you want them to be good. You want Florida State to be good once again, because that's the whole thing. And we'll break in just a second. The whole thing is, Florida State being bad at football, after being good for so long, has dulled the ACC product. So when Florida State's the one that's crying, complaining, and whining that they want more money and they want this, maybe they should be complaining to the football team to be better, be consistently better. Because if Clemson, Florida State, Miami, and Virginia Tech are always good in the ACC, the ACC is going to flourish. Guess what? Clemson's been good. Florida State has not. Miami has not. Virginia Tech has not. Those are the schools to blame for this whole thing. Nobody cares about basketball and Duke and North Carolina and all this stuff. Nobody cares about all that. They just want to see. Um, they just want to see improvement from those programs. So Florida State is is complaining and wanting to leave, but like they're part of the reason that nobody wants to stay there. Uh, let's take a timeout. We'll do one final segment. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. The Spiders are fresh off their first playoff berth since 2016
0: and hungry for more. Follow every first down, pick six, and blocked punt here on the exclusive home for the Richmond Spiders. 106.1 ESPN Richmond.
2: Welcome back. One zero six one ESPM at Joseph's here. Just a couple minutes left. Bob, we'll be back tomorrow in this time slot uh, as it's week one of the college football season. Really looking forward to that. Um, a quick look at the, uh, the lines for this week in terms of the teams. You've got Liberty, a 9.5 point favorite over Bowling Green. Virginia Tech, 16 over Old Dominion. That's jumped up a couple points. Virginia is a nice and neat 28-point underdog uh, versus Tennessee. Total is 56 in that one. And then, of course, the games involving the FCS schools uh, will not have a line. JMU and Bucknell will not have a line either because it involves an FCS school. And books are mean to me and won't put out those lines until it's too late. So, um, yeah, that's what it is. And as we said, the Commanders are now a seven-point favorite over the Arizona Cardinals, who may cut seven more people uh, until that game. So if you do like the Commanders, tease it down to one. Or tease it down to zero if you're taking a seven-point teaser and uh, have some fun with that. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, don't forget, you can always hear our interviews at ESPNrichmond.com. John Kime was fantastic earlier this hour. You can hear the John Kime podcast to the John Kime Report Sunday at 10 a.m. here on 1061 ESPN. Uh, thanks to uh, AJ for all his hard work. As I said, tomorrow we'll get back to normal. I'll be on from 3 until 4. We'll talk some hokey football with Tim Sullivan of Hokiehaven.com, and then you'll hear Bob from 4 until 6. As we get you set. Oh, it is so nice. Week one of the college football season is upon us. Hopefully everybody is uh celebrating properly because soon the NFL will join us and then forget it. You won't know anybody else. Uh, so yeah, back tomorrow, three to four for me, four to six for Bob Black and uh, we will be here. 1061, ESPN.
4: What's more important to you?